You're listening to an exclusive podcast with the UCLA Radio News Team. Howdy. Hello. Welcome to... Welcome to 2020 Central with DJ Hunty Gatherer. And DJ Shinglot. Sing a lot. Sings a lot. Sings a lot. Okay, that's my name. Sing. DJ Sings a lot. That's my new DJ name. Yeah, you're not even an intern anymore. You need to like really have a, a DJ name now. Wait, Today, let's pull up this chat. Oh, yes, chat. If you're listening, thank you for listening. We have a chat box. So if you'd like to interact with us as we make our controversial or not Oh, my God. Comments, someone already is in the chat. Hey, Said, puppies. Hi, puppies. <laughs> Today, we're talking about our token Native American candidate. Oh, my Elizabeth God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was very inappropriate. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's do a roll call really quick. If you're in the chat, just drop something. Um, what should they say? Let's say uh, fuck Trump. And drop we, a fuck Trump in the chat if you're on your phone or on your laptop. Yeah. If you're a fan of Trump, like write us an essay why and then... We'll not read it. Are your headphones buzzing by any chance? They are. Okay, mine are too. I think I'm just going to take mine off. Um, oh, well. But yeah, so today we're talking about Elizabeth Warren, the infamous, the famous. Yeah, the she's a star. She is a star. A rising star, too. Where is... SMTB? SMTH? Smith? SMTB. I don't know what that means. Me neither. Well. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's get started. Moving on. <laughs> Um, so Elizabeth Warren was born June 22nd, 1949 in Norman, Oklahoma, and then she later moved to Oklahoma City in 1960 at the age of 11. Um, her family was lower middle class, and uh, both her parents stayed together, and they had four children. She was the youngest of four. She had three older brothers. Uh, when she was 12, her father had a heart attack, and to pay for her medical bills, she started working in a Sears catalog department. And then at 13, um, a year later, began waitressing at her um, at her aunt's diner or something like that. But she started working. Okay, wait. Oh, show me the body. I don't know. Were they supposed to I don't to know play? what show me the body is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she started working at age 12 to pay for her father's medical bills. And that kind of, she she cites that as the backbone for her very progressive economic um, platform that she does. It sounds like an emo band or like a like a, a hardcore like. They look pretty edgy in their profile picture. Yeah, we can we can play them at the break if yes. we if we have a break today. Um, moving on though, she attended Northwest Class in High School. <laughs> where she became state champion for a debate. And then because of this, she got a scholarship to George Washington University. Um, however, she left George Washington University after two years of studying to become a teacher so that she could marry her first husband, um, with whom she had two children. And they both moved to Houston, where she enrolled at University of Houston and then graduated in 1970 with a bachelor's degree in speech pathology and audiology. Wow, she's like a debate champ, like... Pathology or path, speech pathology. That's all debate stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I'm excited for these debates. And that oh, true. I didn't even think about that. Um, and then her and her husband, her first husband, moved to New Jersey, and she enrolled at Rutgers University for a law degree, which she received in 1976 while she was pregnant with her second child. Wow. And then two years later, in 1978, she divorced, 
um and then in 1980 she remarried and uh the last name warren comes from her first husband she did not take on her second husband's last name huh what's her maiden name her maiden name was something um something short i remember but i didn't write it down because i didn't really care um but yeah that's basically her early life and her education can we see it it's herring herring elizabeth ann herring cool double r yeah consistency wow um and then let's move on to her pre-elected political career shall we yeah, so she taught as a lecturer at Rutgers for two years after graduating. Um, teaching, obviously, was her passion. But then she moved um, to Houston, taught at the Law Center there from 78 to 83, and then taught at the University of Texas Law School for another year, and then became a full-time professor at the law school from 83 to 87. Um, also taught at for a year at University of Michigan, probably Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then became a full-time pro- professor at the UPenn Law School in 1987. So, and then again taught for a year <laughs> at Harvard Law in 1992 before returning for full-time teaching at Harvard Law in 1995. So teaching is very, very prominent in her life, and that's probably yeah. going to come up a lot in her um, debates, I'm, th- I'm assuming, because teachers know how to talk. And the fact that she did so much teaching is going to be, wow. I actually did not even know about that. Yeah, and then an interesting side note about Harvard. Um, As of 2011, she was Harvard's only tenured law professor who had attended law school at an American public university. Huh. Which I think is, I think it's worth noting. I don't think it necessarily says anything specific, but I think it's cool that she has that distinction. That's kind of weird. Or at a public university, okay. Yeah. That's really like ironic that, She's like the first American professor there, but it's a very public <laughs> university. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, and then she is the third most cited individual in bra- bankruptcy and commercial law. I know that she she has authored three books, I believe, and then co-authored six. Um, she's done a ton of work on like on economic stuff um, for like writings and whatnot. Um, yeah, well, a big theme of her campaign is just economic reform. And just stuff like that. So, I mean, that's a lot of what her platforms are is economic reform or taking on huge financial corporations, Mm -hmm. right? So that's pretty cool. I mean, she's equipped to do the job. She's doing it well so far. And Uh, then upon returning to Harvard full-time in 1995, she was also, she began her career as a government um, advisor in different um, on different boards and like agencies and whatnot. But in 1995, she was asked to advise the National Bankruptcy Review Commission, where she opposed legislation restricting consumers' rights to file bankruptcy. Um, however, the, eff- the efforts were unsuccessful, and under the legislation that she opposed that ultimately was passed, it made it significantly harder to forgive your personal debts, um, which was detrimental to the to the working and middle class. Yeah. I didn't write down enough for that one. I remember it was important, though. But she has a ton of other stuff. From 2006 to 2010, she was a member on the FDIC Advisory Committee on Economic Inclusion. And then in 2008, then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid appointed Warren to a five-person congressional oversight panel created to oversee the implementation of the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act which was essentially the first response, the first major response to um, 
to the uh, just the financial crisis of 2007 and 2008. And um, basically her job on that was to release reports evaluating the effectiveness of the government bailout, bailout for Wall Street, um, stuff like that. So she's been involved for a really long time. Even though she wasn't elected, she's been involved and has a lot of government experience going back as far as 1995, if not earlier. Yeah, her entire plea pre like politics career was in kind of in politics but like also in education so she's has a very broad spectrum of experience but like it doesn't stop there she ran for senate actually we can like move on to that in 20 <laughs> in september 14th 2011 she announced her candidacy for the senate after the special election of okay so senator ted kennedy passed away and there's a special election held where the republican scott brown won mm-hmm. but in the actual election um, Senator Senator Warren decided to run and ended up winning, but and that's really where like she just began to shine. Like in the Senate, you would agree that she's been a very powerful figure, right? Yeah, I mean, when I found out who she was, I I found I I mean, I didn't really care about politics honestly until uh, the twenty sixteen election, specifically the primaries for the Democrats. Um, and that was when I started like hearing about her because every time Hillary was brought up, she was kind of, she always found her way into an article somehow. So mm-hmm. the way that she was talked about and the respect that people put on her name made me think that she was some like like Bernie length terms where she's been in the Senate for like 30 years or something. And then literally in 2018 when she was running for re-election, you're like, she's running for her second term. And I was super shocked because she seems so much more poised and experienced than... Um, her like record as a public official would suggest. Yeah, we pulled up like uh, Kamala Harris's test or like questioning during one of our shows. But when you look at Elizabeth Warren in her committee hearings, like asking questions, it's off. it's <laughs> not like she's a prosecutor. She's just like she just knows what she's talking about yeah. and gets her point across so well. And she's definitely been one of the most powerful figures in the Senate um, ever since her election. I saw um, when I was doing research for the show. I don't know if. You put it in here. Let me. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was one that you didn't include where she was literally like one of her first uh series of questionings when she was con or after she was uh sworn into the Senate was on the banking committee. She was just like, she was like, you know that what you did is illegal, <laughs> and they were like, what? And she, she literally just said like, you're you're essentially doing everything that like drug cartels do oh i saw that yeah but you're just like doing it in the form of money i actually have it pulled up i have it pulled up hold on because this quote was too good i had i had it pulled up ready to go i don't know where i put it but yes i'll come back to that i'll talk about like one of the other things while i look for it but um yeah so whenever like her everything shit that she says in her hearings is quotable because it's just so well said so during um she was talking about um big banks or something so here's a quote i'm gonna read there is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. Nobody. You moved your goods to market on the roads the rest of us paid for. You hired workers the rest of us paid to educate. You were safe in your factory because of police forces and fire forces that the rest of us paid for. You didn't have to worry that marauding bands would come and seize everything at your factory and hire someone to protect against this because of the work the rest of us did. Now look, you built a factory and it turned into something terrific or a great idea. God bless. Keep a big hunk of it. But part of the underlying social contract is you take a hunk of that and pay forward for the next kid who comes along. And I, when, when I read that, I was like, that really encompasses the purpose of what a government should do. It provides a bunch of, and this is going to be like a, 
a poli-sci class for 30 seconds, but the, the purpose of government is to pr provide public goods that protect every single individual in the country, right? Mm -hmm. And it allows, it, it allows the opportunity for everyone to make money, but also the purpose of government is to be self-sustaining so that like, so people have to pay back into the government so it, to ensure that future generations can do that. And Senator Warren is literally like the champion at making sure that happens. Yeah. And it's just amazing. I, I am having like, I'm geeking out over that. Um, but at her, oh, at her first um, bank uh, banking committee hearing in 2013, she pressed several banking regulators to say that when they had taken a Wall Street bank to trial and said, I, I'm really concerned that too big to fail has become too big for trial. And that's powerful. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit right there. You could isolate that. <laughs> put that on the reels so yeah she's like literally like a champion of bank finance reform of wall fighting wall street to make sure they don't gain enough power um and as president she really could hurt a lot of these big corporations that are out there which yeah. also means they're going to do a lot to fight her okay i found that i found the quote um so in in march 2013 at a banking committee hearing Warren asked Treasury Department officials why criminal charges were not brought against HSBC for its money laundering practices, saying, quote, if you're caught with an ounce of cocaine, the chances are good you're, go you're going to go to jail. But evidently, if you launder nearly a billion dollars for drug cartels and violate our international sanctions, your company pays a fine and you go home and sleep in your own bed at night. Like, that's T if I've ever that's heard it. Snaps right there. She's just very invested and very consistent, too. Yes, consistency, um, yes. And I do think that the fact that she's only been an elected official for six and a half years now is that she doesn't have... She doesn't really have a record working against her because before 2013, all that mattered to her and all that the world knew her for was law and economics. Yeah. Like, literally nothing else. So it's it kind of works in her favor because economics is one of... It, consistently, if you ever just search a poll seeing what, um, like, the public interest is in, like, what policy issue is most important to the American people unprompted, they'll always say, like, the economy. And I think that works to her advantage a lot because even when the economy is doing good, people aren't, like, very right. trustworthy. And I think she can really... Um, she can really capitalize off of that because she literally um there was another one in in 2010 when the dodd frank act um was passed warren was one of the first appointees by obama to be assistant to the president and then special advisor to the secretary of the treasury um so she's been um she was one of the first responders essentially to the to the banking crisis of 2007 and 2008 and I think that could really be useful for her. And especially when Trump has been like parading the economy recently, saying mm -hmm. it's like the best it's ever been. I think if she ends up making it to the general election, she's going to be the one challenging all of his ideas and like proving to the public why it may not be the best. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I think this should be one of her main platforms, the economy. But at the same time, I don't want her to be like tunnel visioned in the economy because there's a lot of other important legislator that they like everyone needs to focus on mm -hmm. um which she will like i don't yeah. think she's gonna ever like focus only on the economy yeah um when um I, I just wanted to include this part right here but when she introduced the bank on student loans fairness act it what it did was it just took um 
which would allow students to take out government education loans at the same rate that banks pay to borrow from the federal government. So zero point or 0.75%. Um, Senator Bernie Sanders endorsed her bill <laughs> saying the only thing wrong with this bill is that she thought of it and I didn't. So she got she got a kudos from <laughs> <laughs> Senator Sanders in that yeah. one. Um, so very, very powerful person. But there are hesitations about her. Yeah. What are they? Um, so the main hesitation is her whole scandal with being Native American. Yes. Um which I thought was unresolved, but upon research, um, or upon researching it, I found out that it has kind of. And I didn't end up putting down nearly as much as I needed because I got sidetracked by all her economic um, stuff. But essentially, she's claimed American Indian ancestry since she was like very, very young, like a child, basically. And she's always marked her race... Um, there was one specific one when she was registering for the Texas State Bar. Um, she marked her an- or she marked her race or ethnicity or ancestry or something like that as American Indian. And then looking back through her job applications and stuff, when she was applying to work at Harvard and UMich and all these places, she said that she was Native American on all of them, and that prompted a lot of debate over whether or not she was like allowed to do that kind of. And then. On top of that, a lot of Republicans basically saying she didn't get these jobs or positions because she was qualified to talk about economics. She was only given these jobs because of like um, employment affirmative action, basically. Mm -hmm. But um, the Boston Globe published essentially an exoneration. Like it's not actually exonerating her because there was no like there was no capacity to do that. Yeah, there there were literally no like. This this is not like a crime, <laughs> but uh, basically they they did a a very deep investigation into uh, hiring practices at all the institutions that she was hired at, and it proved that uh, her ancestry was never used to justify her hiring. Um, if anything, it might have been like a plus, so that they could fill some kind of like diversity Florida. requirement. But it was not the reason she was hired, which was the important part. But then she kind of renewed this debate in October 2018, right before the November election, when she gave in to one of Trump's like bullying tactics, basically saying that he would donate a million dollars to um, Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren's charity of choice if she could uh, provide a DNA test proving that she had Native American ancestry. She did it. For some reason, I have no idea who is advising her to do this or not. Um, well, at the, uh, yeah, at this point, she had the name Pocahontas from Trump, so like yeah. there was a lot of like racism or, or not racism or like racism, 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 <laughs> racism. <laughs> um, but she, so th- she shouldn't have done this first of all because there's there's this whole history with the U.S. government and American Indians where a lot of American Indian civil rights were taken away from people because they didn't fulfill um, like a blood quota, essentially. So the Mm -hmm. U.S. government would be like, if you're claiming that you're Native American and you're receiving federal benefits because you are Native American, you need to take a blood quantum test that proves that you're at least 25% by blood. But the thing is, you can't really... Like that race has always changed as a concept to like something concrete where they're saying, um, like, at one point, uh, they were saying, like, 
if you're oh wait i'm gonna i'm gonna read this quote really quick or this comment really quick someone dropped it in the chat they said i think senator warren did not appreciate the nuance and difference between her ethnic heritage and cultural identity as a white woman she is ostensibly predisposed to better treatment from broader society and she cannot understand the struggles that native people deal with day to day as a result of their appearance and background i completely agree i agree i yeah no i think the fact that she was parading her quote-unquote identity did i don't like i don't care about her blood yeah if, if she's like a descended from a native american heritage like i care about like did you go through what the native americans had to in in history like did you experience what they had to experience because i don't think you can claim being of blood descent when you haven't gone through that type of um experience i essentially yeah. right um but i think I, I just actually you go first and i'll okay change well, and I do want to say that most of the most of the information that I'm going off of when I'm talking about this comes from an American Indian Studies class that I took fall quarter because that video came out when I was in that class, so we talked about it a lot. But essentially, the concept of race in U.S. history has changed a lot, basically depending on what white people want it to serve as. So when slavery was a big thing, when when basically, I mean, for all of history, essentially, um, black people. Uh, were considered black or slaves if they had if you've heard of this it's like the one drop rule where it's mm -hmm. like no matter what if you have any amount of like quote black blood in you then you are black and you could be considered a slave same with um like voting rights or voting discrimination like the grandfather clause where it's saying if your grandfather could not vote then you can't vote which literally was just saying like if you're black and your grandfather like lived in the U.S. before the Voting Rights Act or anything like that passed, then you can't vote. Um, whereas for Native Americans, it was the complete opposite, where American Indians occupied this land before like white Europeans did. So they said, instead of just killing all of them, which was a lot harder to do since there were so many, they're saying once you reach a certain level of like whiteness, which normally was 75% white, um, or any less than 25% American Indian, then you were considered white enough that the U.S. government wouldn't have to give you the same rights or benefits that American Indians did. And they basically did that until there were few, like few, few, how do I word this? Few enough? L little enough? Yeah. Few, Not enough American enough. Indians to warrant them maintaining their tribal lands. So once they're saying like, once you your, your membership falls below this certain amount, then the U.S. government has a right to like seize your land and then redistribute it however they see fit. So this kind of played into this whole debate of like what really is Native American and what is not. Meanwhile, this entire time, tribal leaders and um, indigenous activists were basically saying um, you're not Native American because your blood and your um, like like a DNA test does not determine whether or not you are indigenous or indigenous or not. It's whether or not you grew up in the culture and like understand the real, like the meaning of being an American Indian person in the U S. So, um, that whole thing happened. Did Trump ever pay that $1 million? I don't know. I was wondering about that. Um, I, I would say probably not. Apparently he denied ever making that offer <laughs> well it sounds like him i didn't but, say that <laughs> i think that uh, another thing like politically looking at it i think this if anything this shows a character of senator warren that like she's unable to like 
close out Trump out of her mind and stay like focused on the policies, like just like looking at like analysis point of view. Um, personally, we talked about this with Hillary Clinton, but how she was unable to like keep her own policies at the forefront rather than responding to Trump all the time. Yeah. Something that I want to see if she ends up making it to the general election is closing Trump out entirely and like not paying attention to his um, provocations and responding to them because he feeds off of those and like a lot of his base feeds off of them like that hatred that stirs when you call someone Pocahontas or whatever like they thrive off that shit yeah. right so I mean I want her to like completely block Trump out because that's something that's gonna bore him and make it like he can't respond to actual policy like I think he's absolutely incapable of talking about purely the economy or a student loan debt yeah. or anything like that so like if you keep like if you keep all of that dumb shit out of like the equation when you're at debates, when you're on Twitter, when you're campaigning in general, it, it's going to be super helpful to her. Plus it'll hurt Trump's base a lot because they don't understand basic economics. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to take that back. I do understand that a lot of Trump's base is <laughs> smart. Okay. I, I, this is something I need to get rid of the elitism. No, I know I do. I, too. I, I need to stop doing that. that is really bad. Okay. Um, but anyway, like I think I think that she has a huge chance to actually be successful as a candidate if she's able to like keep on parading her policies. Because you'd agree that she is like one of the kind of candidates that has the most like solid candidate or yeah. policies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we could, I would say the most solid absolutely. out of everybody. Yeah. Um, like if we want to go to talk about the student, her student debt plan right now, um, like she during her town hall with um, CNN. Yeah. She announced her student debt plan, which basically I'll pull it up. I have it ready to go. Um, maybe, maybe. Wait, let me let me finish this really quick. Yes, though. do that. Basically, this this did conclude, and I this guest one three one two. Um, I agree. I think white women or white people in general, not just white women, um, have a really hard time understanding the di- understanding the differences between um, like your DNA and your culture and your ethnicity. Um, however, she did apologize for this. Um, she apologized privately to the chief of the Cherokee Nation. And then in February, she made a surprise visit to a conference on American Indian um, issues. I don't know what the conference was specifically, but she was introduced by Deb Halange, the, um, one of the first two Native women elected to Congress. She's from New Mexico, I believe. Um, and she received a standing ovation there from like uh from an audience of indigenous people and then Deb Halan said that she was um a strong ally for the indigenous community so i know that like forgiveness is not mine to give because i wasn't the group that she targeted but as a voter i feel comfortable mm-hmm. supporting her now that multiple indigenous activists and like elected officials have basically said that um she did something wrong, but she has made like made her amends for it. Well, even so, like, I think she's like trying to call out Trump when releasing the DNA. It's not yeah. like she was like trying to hurt any community. She was no, I don't think calling, so either. Yeah, right? I so, think she just did it in an in an uninformed way. Yeah. Okay. But the fact that she can come back from that mm-hmm. and acknowledge that, and then going forward understands that you can't do mm-hmm. stuff like that anymore is really strong, especially for a candidate. Because a lot of people, even people like Kamala Harris, um, like it's just really hard for them. It's very obviously difficult for them to admit their wrongdoings and um, oh, kind of like swallow their pride and just go forward yeah. and actually, because nobody wants to just like hold something against you forever. Mm-hmm. But 
if you don't if you don't make it easy to forgive somebody, then it's just a lot less likely that you're going to be forgiven. And we're seeing with Joe Biden now, he refuses to re- um, apologize to Anita Hill mm-hmm. directly. And now it's, I would say it's not hurting him too much, but it should be hurting him because it's him being stubborn and just like not wanting to break his ground. When Anita Hill has come out, like after Biden announced his candidacy, she was like, yeah, I still don't forgive him, mm-hmm. even though he called me privately. Like it was not a, an apology. It was not an acceptable one. Like, he needs to apologize directly to me, but yeah, it never happened. I think a lot of candidates in, in the primary race right now are having trouble um, coming to terms with their past, which, um, I mean, it's surprising that Elizabeth Warren has something this controversial being a senator for only six years so far. But, um, hi, Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's very impressive for me. Definitely a good sign going into the primaries. Um it's exactly 4.30 right now. Do you want to take a break? Let's like do a, it. a one song, or one or two song break? Yeah, I have Artificial by Earth Gang queued up. Hopefully you guys like it. Ready? Let's See go you guys soon. It. All right, and we're back. Hello. Let me pull up this Google Docs app really quick. Yes. Okay. So one thing I forgot to talk about, um, during her Senate campaign, something that got Elizabeth Warren a lot of notoriety, um, I almost just exited out of that radio apple goops um was um i'm sure you guys have seen shirts and like hashtags and wear around of the term nevertheless she persisted now this i i think is one of the coolest things that she's ever done so during the confirmation hearing of senator jeff sessions fuck Mm. that guy yeah fuck him um she was in opposition to him obviously and she was reading a letter from coretta scott king who is the wife of martin luther king jr and she had written um a letter to um, the Senate, and I think I'm just going to read it like two sentences from it. So, um, civil rights leaders, including my husband and Albert Turner, have fought long and hard to achieve free and unfettered access to the ballot box. Mr. Sessions has used the awesome power of his office to chill the free exercise of the vote by black citizens of the district. He now seeks to serve as a federal judge. This was written um, when he was being appointed a federal judge in, I forgot where he's from, but wherever he's going. Anyway, so while she was while um, Elizabeth Warren was reading this letter, um, some of the senators that were Republican objected to this, um, citing Rule 19, which quote prohibits ascribing to another senator or to other senators any conduct conduct or motive unworthy of un or unbecoming of a senator. So they said that she's not allowed to read this letter about Jeff Sessions because it is unbecoming of him, and it is. And I found that ridiculous, first of all. So um, she was cut off, and um, Mitch McConnell gets up there, and this dumbass goes, um, he's like, yeah, um, Senator Warren was cut off for these reasons. She goes, Senator Warren was giving a lengthy speech. She had appeared to violate the rule, Rule 19. She was warned, she was given an explanation, and he quoted and said, nevertheless, she persisted. And then that backfired because, (laughs) because all feminists made it like, they were like, yes, fuck yeah, she persisted because this is the right thing to do and put it on merch. They put it on the internet um, and it became a much bigger deal because Jeff Sessions was so butthurt by it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm sure you guys have seen, like, I'm, I've am i seen a lot of people wearing it at women's marches and um, just any occasion. Of, um, but, yeah, no, I, I thought that was, like, super cool. I don't have any much anything else to say on it. But. No, I think that's cool. I didn't know. I didn't know that that originated from that, actually. I thought it was some, like, feminist quote from, like, the 80s or something like that. 
but it's <laughs> very <Mitch McConnell>. cool. <laughs> very cool that it was the resident uh, turtle like of Senate. Oh of my Senate. god, fuck that guy for real. Um, but yeah, moving on to drop an uwu by the way in the comments if you're on <laughs> laptop or phone, but not the app if you're on your iPhone. Um, drop a comment bottom right corner of the screen. There's that little chat box. I know we all know what that looks like because <laughs> we all have access to technology. If you're here. Drop an uwu. Let's discuss. Or a drop a nevertheless she persisted. Oh my maybe. god, yeah, do that. Let's, I want to discuss. We haven't really discussed with chat. Yeah, if you have event. any if you have any opinions on anything that we're talking about, or literally if you have any opinions on other presidential candidates that are not Elizabeth Warren, feel free to drop them in the comment section. Um, or if you have something that you want us to talk about, like feel free. We have an hour. Yeah. And normally we just fill that up by talking about whatever we want. But if there's something you want to hear us talk about specifically, we'll go in. Yeah. Um, but... I want to finish her Senate yes. thing really quick. Yes. So um, I'm going to go over. Oh, he skipped loop. My bad. Committee. <laughs> my bad. Did we? The. Whatever. <laughs> uh, committee assignments uh, from 2013 to the present. She is on the Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee. From 2013 to the present, she was on the Special Committee on Aging, which is now the Committee on Aging Members. <laughs> I don't know exactly. <laughs> I know. I don't know exactly what that is. That's not a real thing. There's no way. It's on Ballotpedia, so oh, it has to be. Aging members. The committee for old people. Taking care of old people. Let's see. Is there a Wikipedia for this somewhere? There is. Oh, my God. It's a thing. Let's see. What is it? Oh, what it just it basically for Medicare and Social Security. Okay. Why don't they call it that? Then? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um, okay, so from 2013 to the present, she was also on the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. And then 2015 to 2016, she was on the Energy and Natural Resources Committee. And then finally, 2017 to the present, she's on the Armed Services Committee. Oh, I just knocked this um, pretty good lineup. I mean, if you're in the Senate, you're going to have a good committee assignment no matter what, because there are so few people and also so few committees that like you're going to get on something important no matter yeah. what. Whereas if you're like Beto in the House, they're just like, let's just throw you on the most insignificant committees. Or you choose to do. be on all the committees that relate yeah. to the military. <laughs> Venner Affairs. Is this, is this Luca? It is Luca. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this? Um, okay. Key votes. I normally go through key votes and stuff like that. And I normally go through... Um, uh, I'm going to get to that comment in a second. One just give me a little bit. Um, normally, I go through key votes and sponsored legislation, but she has a lot of stuff that just doesn't matter to me, honestly, um, like very insignificant things. The one key vote that I did put down was in 2014, she voted no on the farm bill, which expanded crop insurance and created new subsidies for peanut and rice farmers for when their prices dipped. But at the same time, it reduced by about $90 per month the average food stamp allowance for 1.7 million people in 15 states um and she was one of nine democrats who voted no including two 2020 candidates uh kristen gillibrand is it kristen or kirsten that was kirsten it might be kirsten gillibrand <laughs> um and then cory booker so i think this i think it's interesting to mention given that the three of them are from uh like I don't know if industrialized is the right term anymore, but like industrialized northeastern states, uh, New Jersey, New York, and Massachusetts. It's interesting that they're the three that voted against it mm -hmm. because I'm sure 
what they were looking at. They were looking more at the food stamp recipient thing. But this also passed overwhelmingly. So I think it's interesting that she's willing to kind of go against the rural agricultural sector if it means protecting um, like low income social um, like welfare programs. Yeah, I mean, I think in tw- it's 2014. I don't think she was looking forward to running for president at that time, mm-hmm. just like looking at it in that context. Um, so she, I mean, I want to protect my own constituents instru- in constituents interests in that case. Yeah. But I mean, still different. I mean, like Cory Booker, he's, we'll get into him later, but I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, really, cons- I don't really consider him like the, the strongest like Democrat because of like his pharma stuff. But, like I, even then, like I, I, I don't know really know Gillibrand that well, but if, if she's voting for it to protect her own constituents interests, I understand because you're not trying to go for president. Do I think he's going to come back and bite her in the ass? Probably not. It's yeah, probably not. It. I just thought it was interesting that those were the three that get yeah, grouped together right. because often it's like, I mean, most of the time if you're looking at like Democrats and the way that they vote, it's normally like the notable people are like Bernie, Warren, Harris, and like the typical right. uber progressive people all voting against something or all voting for something. Um, and then all the like centrist, more moderate uh, Democrats like Cory Booker and Christian Gillibrand going together. But like Gillibrand, Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren all voted no. And then like Bernie voted yes. So it's just really surprising to me that this was the group. But that was literally all I had to say on it. I just thought it was notable. Um, but going to this comment, guest 1312 says, I think that Warren is maybe the only candidate that is a genuine working class hero and has the wherewithal to stand up to Trump's economic plan and present a populist economic platform that makes sense. And then guest 6836 said, TBH, Bernie, working class he- hero. Um, oh. I think it's, I think it's, I, I don't think it's unfair to compare them, but I think that you have to think of them in different ways. Yeah. Because yeah. Bernie has never really claimed to be like the academic or the uh, like, He's never been the one who's like, I'm going to attack this from the most academic, the most logical, the most um, like technical terms. He's always been more of an activist mm-hmm. where he would be like demonstrating like public demonstrations and um, and like causing a ruckus so that things have to change. Whereas Elizabeth Warren has never really been the person who's out on the streets in the front lines. Um, she prefers to work more behind the scenes kind of being in the ear of influential people or being the influential person herself that legislates. And I think there's validity to both. But I do think if you're looking at just pure... Uh, I don't know. I, th- I would say they're both on the same level, just yeah. They're just two different very tactics. different candidates. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's depending on like what kind of president you want when you cast your vote. Like Because they both champion somewhat the same policy. Like They both want no student debt. They both want free college um but like while elizabeth warren may have a specific policy which we're going to get to in a second on how to do that bernie sanders has a lot more ability to garner like turnout or like yeah. to to excite a group of people so like do you want a president who w- I'm, I'm sure he'll have a policy at some point but do you want a president who can get the crowd going first or do you want a president who's not necessarily the most like charismatic and like, well, but but does have a solid set of plans on what to yeah. do. Yeah, I would say Elizabeth Warren is much more a conventional politician. Yeah, um, and not in a bad way either. I would say in a very good way. Right, because she knows how to get things done. But Bernie, 
And he, Bernie does have policy, but he doesn't have it in the same way. Yeah. He um he kind of keeps details a little bit more under wraps for whatever reason. And he does, it's definitely true that he um rides and harnesses the momentum of his movement to his advantage rather than try to get people excited just with um like purely facts and statistics alone. But he, he's a big value person. Yeah, yeah. Not in the same way. I want to make a distinction between the way that Bernie's <laughs> value campaign is different from Buttigieg's <laughs> value campaign, though. Because Pete is just like, I'm a value candidate. And then but, he but won't really No, no, don't worry about the policies, man. Yeah. Value. <laughs> but Bernie is also policy-oriented. He is. He's, um, he, he's basically a value candidate with a lot more... Um, <laughs> Bernie should borrow the pink wig tea. Guess six eight three six going off today. Um, um, but honestly, no. Bernie does have policy. He's been in the Senate for yeah. so long. He's proposed many bills and done a lot of things. Whereas Mayor Pete does not have the most federal like experience that he can vouch that can vouch for him. So yeah. like when he says I have no policies yet, like that doesn't that means something different than Bernie being values because yeah. Bernie actually has a, a huge set of policies behind him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know. Is that, is that your Senate thing done? Yeah. Okay. So like moving on to the 2020 election, um, she was, Elizabeth Warren was one of the first people to announce her candidacy and she was the first. She was, she was, she was the okay. first, she announced on new year's day, her exploratory committee. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, she was the first, which means that she should realistically have like the most fund raised funds raised. Yeah. But she has raised $6 million in the first quarter. Which is, I think, I want to say, I want to say fourth or fifth in relation to the others. But, but her polling has jumped up since she first announced. She is now polling third. Last week we had um, Mayor Pete polling third and Elizabeth Warren polling fifth or sixth. But now she is polling third at seven point eight percent, with Sanders at sixteen percent, mm-hmm. and Joe Biden pulling away with thirty eight point three percent of the um, aggregate polls. Now, um, something we we talk about this every week. But these polls are very early. Like there has been yeah. no sustenance to provide any like backing for these polls. Like these are just based on people's um, public perceptions of what they're hearing in the media. And I was listening to this one podcast on Thursday talking about how you can't. There was a CBS poll, CS CBS poll that that basically when they asked the um, poller like people to like give a candidate they didn't have like a checkbox of like each candidate they had a fill-in so like who mm-hmm. are you most likely to vote for and they had to write in their candidate yeah and joe biden was not even close to like third or fourth because people only know joe biden when they see his name like they don't like know i don't know that that's what i assumed from it that who was polling first was elizabeth warren uh kamala harris pete Buttigieg, and then beto yeah so it's still really early and a lot of people are only like polls can't really determine anything because like they're all somewhat biased because it just depends on who's most in this news cycle at the time. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yes. So, yeah, right now, like obviously it's really early. But at the CNN town hall, Miss um, Warren released her student debt plan, which I'm going to read about right now. This is very, very, very um, Wait, quick question. Do you know if her... Um... Do you know if her tax returns have been released? They have. Yeah, they're on her website. Okay, I'm going to go look for those right now, but go go ahead. So basically, her um, plat- one of her biggest platforms is getting rid of student debt altogether. Um, so if you make less than if you're if you have a household income of less than $100,000, um, you can cancel get $50,000 
of your student debt canceled, which is insane. That would, um, and then the way they're paying for this is by, I have it pulled up here somewhere. They're adding a, where's my other tab? There it is. So they're adding, it's called the ultra millionaire tax, which would levy a 2% annual tax on all assets, including stocks, real estate, retirement funds, either held in the United States or abroad. Um, and then if you owned by households with a net worth more than $50 million. So that's how we're defining an ultra millionaire is if your net worth is more than a $50 million. It also would add an additional 1% billionaire surtax on households exceeding $1 billion, a group that includes President Donald Trump. So um, an interesting stat that I found from this was that if we were to rid all student debt up to $50,000 of all people who were making less than $100,000, it would cost the U.S. $1.7 trillion. However, how would we pay for this, you're asking? The ultra-millionaire tax would give us $2.75 trillion in a course of 10 years. So we'd make net profit 1.5, right? No, 1.15 or $1.05 trillion. I'm not a, I'm not a math major. 1.05 trillion dollars off this ultra-millionaire tax if we, over 10 years. So um, that's pretty big. And something that is really important to note is that this is going to piss off a lot of big corporations and anyone who has money in that amount. So, mm -hmm. which means if she ends up winning the general election, you know all of those people are going to flock towards Donald Trump to give him all the super PAC money. Yeah. And does this scare you, Luca? No. It doesn't? Because mm -hmm. they make up, what, like not even up 1% of the population. Yeah. So, like, yes, their money is going to help, Donald Trump, but the thing is, like, a lot of the people who make that much money are already giving him money. I think the difference between this election and last election is that, like, and I'm going to attribute this to Bernie. I don't care if anybody gets <laughs> mad at me, but, like, the power that corporate money has now is significantly weaker than mm. it used to be, I think. Like, it's still a formidable opponent. Like, I'm not just going to be, like, I'm not, I like, I obviously don't think that they're, like, tens of millions of dollars that they can just give out whenever they want um, is not like influential because it obviously is. But I think it has a lot less. And I think it honestly undermines a lot because once you just reveal that this is public information, you can just show who is giving money to who. Um, that's a super strong thing that you can use against one another. And Hillary couldn't really do that because she was getting corporate money. But like if you have that that kind of moral high ground, I think it's very effective. But would you also agree that a lot of conservatives don't really care about where this money's coming from? I I don't think so. I think staunch conservatives, uh, like any bigot and evangelical Christian, is not going to care no matter what because okay. they're they're his base, mm -hmm. and like the fact that they're his base with everything that's already happened shows that nothing is going to change them. Mm -hmm. But for non-voters becoming voters for like true centrists who like when presented with, uh, with like politicians that are bought out and politicians that are completely grassroots funded, um, regardless, cause I mean like when it comes down to it, when it gets to the general election, both sides are going to be, I think equally radicalized because I, I don't think Biden or one of the centrist candidates is going to win. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I think that the fact I think big money is going to play a huge role in this, and I think it's going to play to Democrats' advantages if we don't. You think it's going to play a negative role for for Republicans? Okay. I know I agree with you. Um, I think, and yeah. really quick though, before oh, yeah, we yeah. run out of time. Um, oh shit! Yeah, Elizabeth 56. Warren's tax returns. Uh, her and her husband together made about nine hundred thousand dollars. They paid two hundred thousand in um, in income tax, and they donated more than fifty thousand dollars to charity. Um, yeah, so that's like, it's not bad. I mean, it's normal. I mean, it's less than Bernie. It's it's nothing like incriminate or not incriminating but like anything bad that's in yeah him. um and then was there anything i mean i guess we can just do yeah i think that's about it that's i would say it. um i don't know if you said this while i was looking this up but um on her website the student debt calculator oh yeah very interesting even though like if you're listening and you're in college and you don't have debt or if you don't know how much you're going to have um just play with like different um, student debt amounts and an income level and just see what happens because it's a very interesting interactive tool that I think would get a lot of people on board with her campaign. Yeah. Um, but my final thoughts after doing research on her for this episode, she's my new candidate. Um, I'm, I'm Warren first, Bernie second right now. I'm not going to go into thirds yet because <laughs> I feel like I don't have anybody. Um, that being said, I think Elizabeth Warren could make up for the fact that she's not the strongest candidate going up against Trump because of their history together. Um, the fact that she is susceptible to like bullying tactics. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily her fault because she was just responding in the way that seemed logical and just mm-hmm. made a misstep in the process. But I think she could make up for it with a really strong um, VP. Like, yes. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know what someone like Andrew Gillum is doing, but, like, he would be really cool. Like, some... Unfortunately, I do think it would probably be better if it was a man, um, which, like, sucks. I know. I was actually thinking of Andrew Gillum, but that's a really good option. That's... Yeah, but somebody who has the less elitist, um, like, New England mm-hmm. aura about them, I think, probably a man just because misogyny does play a role. Like, I mean, we saw it with Hillary and Tim Kaine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think if she had a smart VP choice, maybe someone from Michigan or Pennsylvania, even since we lost those states last year or last election, um, I think she would be a very strong candidate, especially if she keeps tapping into the student debt crisis. Yeah, what I think, think she might. Yeah, yeah, My final thoughts, I think she might serve as like a foil to Donald Trump because like not only is she, is, a, is she a woman, but like she, some of her policies are along the same route. Like she has a lot of economic policies, something that Trump plays with all the time. He championed all of his like America first, like isolationism, like NAFTA policies. Um, so I think someone who's able to conquer that can do super well against Trump because he won't be able to because all of his policies are just based off of rhetoric. Yeah. But yeah, um, she's. I think she's one of my tops now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love her. Shout out. Um, we got to get out of this booth. Uh, oh, but stay tuned for sports. They're going to be on literally right after because we always push it. Oops. Um, sorry. But yeah, stay tuned. Listen. Thanks for listening. Cam, as always. Uh, yeah. Bye. Here's K Flay. <laughs>